What up, world? It's your pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. This episode is the latest installment of the Locked on Blazers 2019-2020 season wrap-up. We're dedicating a full episode to every player on the roster and giving you a brief but thorough look at their season in Portland. We'll look at their performances past season, discuss how and why they landed on the Blazers, and finally we'll close out the show looking ahead to the upcoming season and their role and expectations for 2021. This is our 11th installment of the season wrap-up. So if you missed any of the 10 others, check your podcast feed and start catching up today. Today's episode is all about Trevor Ariza. So let's get into it with the veteran forward. Ariza was a mid-season acquisition coming to Portland on January 21st in a trade with the Sacramento Kings that sent Kent Bazemore, Anthony Tolliver, and two second-round picks, one in 2024 and the other in 2025, to the Kings in exchange for Ariza, along with young bigs, Wenyan Gabriel, and Caleb Swanigan. Welcome back, Caleb. Ariza immediately assumed a starting role on the Blazers. They traded for him to be a starter. Didn't waste any time. They were a team almost completely void of NBA wings, so adding Ariza even at age 34 added a viable NBA wing to the rotation. He started all 21 games in which he appeared, averaging 11 points, 4.8 rebounds, and 2 assists in 33.4 minutes per game. That's right, nearly 34 minutes a night for a 34-year-old. Ariza shot 49% from the floor and 40% from three on four attempts a night. From beyond the arc, he was a 3 and D wing. Maybe you didn't think, maybe like me, you didn't think he still had it in him to be that, but he was undeniably in those 21 brief games with the Blazers. The minutes that Ariza played kind of speak to the role that he was asked to step into. He guarded the top perimeter players on the opposing team each night. In the first week alone, he was asked to guard Luka Doncic, James Harden, and LeBron James, and then Donovan Mitchell. Quite a 10-day stretch. It's a little over a week if you want to get all the way to Donovan Mitchell. But this first, you know, six games, he guarded four All-Stars. The Blazers went 10-11 and 11 with Ariza in the lineup. A record that frankly sounds and is much worse than what Ariza's on-court impact felt like. I was surprised when I looked this up doing research for this podcast that they were only 10-11 and 11 with Ariza in the lineup. I would have thought at least, you know, 12-8 and 8 or something, 12-9. and 9. Zeroing in a little deeper, the Blazers went 8-7 and seven with Ariza and Dame in the lineup. You remember that Damian Lillard missed six games right after the All-Star break with the, with the ankle injury, and the Blazers went 2-4 and four in those games. But 8-7 and seven is not particularly glamorous either, but what I'm saying is Ariza took a bad roster and helped stabilize it right towards mediocrity. Without Ariza... They were not very good. And with Ariza, they were pretty, they were fine. They were slightly above 500. I don't know if that makes them more than what they ended up as the eighth seed in the the West, but it makes them probably a low-level playoff team or right there. And without Ariza, they were were not going to get that far. They were not going to even become a low-level playoff team. He didn't drastically tip the scales, but he undeniably helped improve a team, like I said, that was heading the wrong way and made them somewhat functional. And for the Blazers, last year being somewhat functional was an improvement. Ariza was helpful. Straight up. In his debut, he had 21 points and 7 rebounds, a reminder that, yeah, maybe this guy can help. Because he's helping right now. It was one of four games that he passed the 20-point mark. So in 21 games, 21 
outings, Ariza ha- had four 20-point games. For comparison's sake, Kent Bazemore never scored more than 19 points in 43 games in a Blazers uniform. Prior to Ariza's rival, Gary Trent Jr. had one such game where he'd had at least 20 points, and that was that 30-point outburst against OKC that was kind of his coming-out party of sorts on his 21st birthday. But other than that game against OKC when the Blazers had eight players and Trent just carried him in a loss, but he carried him, Trent had never topped the 15-point mark in any other game. Mario Zonia had only scored more than 15 points once all season. Nazir Little only had four games in double figures. What I'm saying is the Blazers' wing core set the bar super low. Scoring points obviously isn't the only measure of success or confidence, but I think those stats that I just talked about above illustrate what a sincere help, a a sincere boost that Ariza gave the Blazers in the wing. The team certainly could have used his on-court help in the bubble. His 21 games were all that he played. Uh, When the season was cut short, Ariza was, uh, he actually had a a 20-point game that night against the Suns. But that would be the last game that Ariza played in a Blazers uniform in the 2019-2020 season. Ariza eventually opted out of joining the Blazers in the bubble. He had been in an ongoing custody dispute with uh, the mother of his 12-year-old son. There was a month window where he could see his son. That month window corresponded with the Blazers initially going down to Orlando. So Ariza opted out choosing to be a father instead of a teammate. It's the right thing to do. Being a dad is more important than being a basketball player. I talked about this a bunch when he made the decision. I don't think there's much to sort of litigate or discuss or takes to have. Being a father is important. Being a basketball player is cool. Doing things that are important, more valuable than doing things that are cool. There are some reports that suggest, specifically from Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports, that suggest that the Blazers tried to bring Ariza back into the bubble, but the way that the the league rules worked, it wasn't... uh, Once Ariza opted out and the Blazers chose to replace him, there was no way to keep him on the roster. They would have had to choose to pay him and kind of keep the window open, but they chose not to pay him, and when the team chooses not to pay him, means he's not on the roster. There was no workaround, even though I think after the visiting window was done with his son and the Blazers were kind of rolling, Ariza apparently was reached out to some channels and said, are you sure I can't join the team? It's just not how the rules work. It was never in the table. As soon as he, as soon as he opted out, it was done for him. And frankly, he opted out for the right reasons. Maybe if, if obviously this was a unique scenario and maybe if the Blazers had a better grasp on the timeline and how all these things would have worked, they would have changed up how they approached it. But they didn't, so Ariza never made it to the bubble. He never made it to the seeding games. He never made it to the play-in game. He didn't play in the playoffs against the Lakers when he would have been the Blazers' best option to try to check LeBron James. So that was what 2019-2020 looked like for Trevor Ariza in a Blazers uniform. 21 pretty good games, and then we didn't see him again. In the third segment, we'll talk about his role for the future. He can come back. He's very likely to rejoin the team, and we'll discuss what that looks like in the third segment. But what we've traditionally done in these wrap-ups is revisit best-case and worst-case scenarios for guys that I laid out heading into training camp way back September 2019, a year ago now. But here's the thing. Trevor Reza wasn't on the team, so I don't have best-case and worst-case scenarios. So what I'm going to revisit with you in the second segment is the best-case and worst-case scenarios that I laid out for the guys who the Blazers traded away. And maybe we can figure out why this trade went down, why Ariza was so necessary based on the Kent Bazemore and Anthony Tolliver best-case and worst-case scenarios that we had considered way back then. 
So join me in the time machine. But before we get in that time machine, I want to tell y'all about DoorDash. You know DoorDash. It's the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. And with DoorDash, ordering is super easy. All you do is open the app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. And if you're craving it, chances are DoorDash has it right there available for you because they got over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia. So you can support your local go-tos, all your favorite local restaurants, or if you're craving a big national chain, they got those on there too. And right now, my listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees off your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter that code LOCKEDONNBA. One more time so you don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right. Talked about Trevor Reese's 2019-2020 season with the Blazers' 21 games of pretty good competence, high-level competency. He wasn't there for the bubble. He wasn't there for the playoffs. It was a brief regular season run that put the Blazers in position to make the run they did when they got to the bubble without him. So what I've typically done in this space of these season wrap-ups, if you listen to any of the other 10, and if you haven't, go back and listen to those right now. We're doing this for every player on the roster. A reason not is not unique in getting this treatment. Everyone's getting it. And the, and the other players who've done it, they've been, they were on the roster in training camp. So what I've used this space is for revisiting the best case and worst case scenarios that I laid out back in 20, in September of 2019. Like I said, Trevor wasn't on the roster. So I don't have a nice little three minute soundbite to share, but the story of Ariza on the Blazers absolutely has to include the context of the players, the team traded away to and acquire him. That's just, it's part of the deal. How did he get here and why did he get here? But I don't want to waste your time in this segment with six minutes of me talking about Kent Bazemore and Anthony Tolliver 12 months ago. But dear listener, I re-listened to what I said about those two dudes back when I did best case and worst case scenarios, so you don't have to. Allow me to recap. For Kent Bazemore, I thought his upside was a high-level role player as a 3 and D wing and a fan-favorite candidate. I really thought he would be someone that Rip City would love. I thought his worst-case scenario was a no-3 and no-D wing that I said he would, quote, morph into all the worst parts of Mo Harkless only four inches shorter. Sheesh. For Anthony Tolliver... I had his upside as a high-level shooter in a low-minute role, and I said his worst-case scenario was that he wasn't an answer at power forward and that the team would be forced to sign a free agent or make a trade because, and I quote, the guy they thought could be an answer in July isn't the answer in November. Welp, Kent Bazemore shot under 33% from three, and Anthony Tolliver was absolutely not the answer at power forward and the Blazers signed Carmelo Anthony in November. When you're right, you're right. I rarely nailed worst case scenarios better than I nailed it for these two gentlemen. And that led to Trevor Ariza. Trevor Ariza's addition in, in basically became inevitable because Bays and AT slammed up against their worst case scenarios. Baysmore couldn't shoot and was a disaster decision maker on offense. And Tolliver looked like an old person whose one elite skill didn't matter when he was forced to play a much larger, higher-minute role. It doesn't matter if you can shoot when you're asked to play 
start at center some nights. You just need to be able to do more. Tolliver was asked to do too much. And Bazemore was not capable of getting back to what made him a high-level role player a couple seasons ago in Atlanta. He actually looked a lot better when he was with the Kings, much like Trevor Reza, who looked terrible with the Kings, and then he joined the Blazers, and he was good again. But why I turned back the clock to September 2019 is because I, I want to, I just want to, when we look back, when we remember this season, I want to sort of remember it in the context of what our realities were. We, I thought Trevor, all right, excuse me, I thought Ken Basemore was going to be really good. I didn't think that about Anthony Tolliver. And when Bazemore wasn't good and Tolliver wasn't a good, that meant the Blazers had to go make a trade. So that's what they did. They made a trade for a veteran with a big contract who was scuffling on a team that was out of the playoff picture. The exact type of player who's often available at the trade deadline. This was a good deal. Ariza helped and improved the roster. But he didn't get here because of some genius move like it was a good move to go get him and Neil Olshay should be praised for making the uh, making a solid move but betting on Tolliver at 35 as a journeyman was something that had a had a real real realistic option of falling flat on its face as predicted by someone as stupid as me back in September like if I could say there's a really good chance, a, a realistic chance that Tolliver is no good and that's going to force this team to make upgrades at the four. Sign Carmelo Anthony, trade for Trevor Ariza. You know, they got it. They need better. They just need better vets. Like people in basketball are smarter than me. People who work in the NBA are smarter than me. They certainly sort of could have seen this coming. Bazemore was just, let's get rid of Evan Turner because he hasn't been a great fit and maybe we'll find a guy who's a better fit. This is, it was a, it was a, take a flyer on a big salary dude with another big salary dude that basically is um, zero impact on on the uh, on your bottom line and, and relatively low risk. It didn't work out for either one, but what the roads that led to Ariza was that you didn't you you didn't hit on either one. It wasn't a shock. It was that the low risk Baysmore deal didn't have the reward and the believable Anthony Tolliver veteran flyer just didn't work out so they led the Blazers to making a deal that the deal was solid I think Wenyan Gabriel might be an NBA player I'm not sure he's a Blazer next year but I think they might have traded for two NBA players in Trevor Ariza and Wenyan Gabriel but the real fallout from that Ariza deal is that it cost the Blazers two second round picks they've now traded four future seconds over the past two trade deadlines they're out of those valuable second round sweeteners for the near future because they had to give away two to land Rodney Hood and then two to land Trevor Ariza. The sort of nice mid-season tinkering that Neil Olshay has been so good at over the past couple of years may have run its course because you can only do this trick so many times. At some point, the decisions you make in July, the Anthony Tollivers and Kent Bazemores have to pay out so you don't have to tinker so much in February. That has to be the lesson from this segment, from this, some, from revisiting the best case and worst case scenarios from Bazemore and Tolliver and thinking about why Ariza ended up on the roster. But enough turning back the clock. Let's look forward. Let's look to the future. In the third segment, I want to discuss Trevor Ariza's role and expectations for what he'll be like and if he'll be on the roster in 2021 when the season kicks off again. So that's what we'll talk about in that third segment. But before we do that, Let's talk about Bilt Bar. You know Bilt Bar. If you've listened to this podcast, you've heard me tell you about them before. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. 
Comes in 18 amazing flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. They've got that candy bar-like quality. If you've tried other protein bars, you know some of them are kind of chalky and dry and just not yummy. Well, Built Bar, these things are yummy. Like I said, 18 fantastic flavors like German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, toffee almond. If those sound good to you, this might sound even better because they're a wonderful option for the health conscious among us. They're low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. Great for those of us on the keto diet. You're trying to maintain ketosis? Grab a Built Bar. It's got what you need. There are worse options in your pantry, both in taste and nutritional value. Built Bar's got it both. And you can get it in your pantry by going to BuiltBar.com and using the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off your next order. That's the promo code locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked On Blazers. We're still talking about Trevor Ariza. We talked about his 2019-2020 NBA season a high level of competency in 21 games for the Blazers. We looked back at the players the Blazers sent out to acquire him, Bazemore and Anthony Tolliver, and how maybe relatively reasonable worst-case scenarios flared up for those two dudes, which caused the Blazers to make a trade, which has depleted some of their future trading assets. They've bet a little bit on Ariza being a contributor. He certainly was in his first brief stint with the Blazers. And now the question is, can he be moving forward? That's what I want to talk about to close the show. The future of Trevor Ariza. The man is 35 years old. He's played a lot of NBA seasons. And somehow, in the summer of 2019, at age 34, the Sacramento Kings decided to give Trevor Ariza a two-year contract worth $25 million. Doug, what? Get get the bag, Trevor Ariza. Go get it, my dude. There is some fine print in the deal. His 2020 salary, or his, his salary for next season, 2021. Uh, the season is likely to start in January, if not later, uh, because of the state of the world and that the NBA finals are still, or haven't even started as I'm recording this podcast. So he's got a partially guaranteed deal for next season. It's only guaranteed for $1.8 million. At, at its fully guaranteed price, Trevor Reese will be paid $12.8 million next year. So here's basically how that works. If the Blazers waive Trevor Reza, they will only have to pay him $1.8 million, but if he's on the roster, it's $12.8 million. And if they trade him to someone else, that team is on the hook for the full $12.8 million. They can't waive him and save $10 million. That's not how it works. That's that workaround... The Rockets infamously last offseason tried to do something with Nene where they signed him to sort of this big money non-guaranteed deal so he could be this huge trade chip, but then the other team wouldn't be on the, the hook for all the all of that future money. That's It's a circumventing the CBA. That's not how it works. Trevor Reza, if he gets traded, is going to get all of his money. So he while he remains the Blazers' biggest trade piece, I would say, in terms of just like a big salary filler, if they want to trade for someone making a bunch of money and not give up Dame, CJ, and Nurk, he's your, he is your candidate, the most likely to be traded just to make cash work in any of those deals. He is much more likely to be on the roster because they need competent wings. 
That's how I view it. So that's his. That's my expectation is that he's on the roster. Now his role is somewhat in question. I would have guessed if Rodney Hood was healthy and then Trevor Reza would come off the bench. Uh, I'm trusting Neil Olshay's word here, a, potentially a mistake, but he has said that the Blazers' starting lineup for next season will be Dame, CJ, Rodney Hood, Zach, and Nurk. That means that coming off the bench would be Trevor Reza and potentially Carmelo Anthony if he returns along with Gary Trent Jr. and Anthony Simons, Nazir Little, etc., etc. But I think there's a scenario where maybe Rodney Hood is needs to come back on a minutes, minutes limit or maybe Rodney Hood's... Um, He's a better offensive player than he's a defensive player, so maybe his fit is better coming off the bench. Maybe he's better in a six-man role, providing some more offense on the bench, where Ariza, more of a defensive-focused guy at this stage in his career, is better as a starter. And then you kind of flip-flop, depending on who you want, uh, one of those two guys, or maybe both of them on the court at both forward spots at the end of games. But my expectation is that Trevor Ariza still has a a big-minute regular role with the Blazers next year. I don't think that'll change. I think he's going to be on the roster. I think they will try to try to trade him in that they will, if they're considering offers to get players who are making more than the league minimum or making a bunch of money, making what good players make in the league, Trevor Reese's name likely has to be included along with some other parts. So I'm, I'm sure that you will maybe will hear his name in rumors, hear his name in potential um, potential deals that are floated around either by people in the know or people who are pretending to be in the know and just cooking up trade machine trades. But I assume that Ariza will be back a big minute guy, probably not 33 minutes a night like he played this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if Trevor Ariza is playing 22 to 26 minutes as a either a the fifth starter or the or one of the first guys off the bench. I believe Trevor Ariza will be back. I believe he helped the Blazers last year and he can help them this next season. He's 36 years old. Father time catches up with all of us. He will be worse than he was this year. It is a safe bet. That is the way the graph generally goes with athletes in their middle 30s. But Ariza can still help, and I think the Blazers are going to bet on him being still a valuable piece, or at least a helper. That's going to do it for today's show. we got a couple fun interviews coming later this week, so be sure to check back your feeds for them. We've also got more season wrap-ups coming into next week. We're going to do this for every player on the roster. Like I said, this is number 11. We've got a few left. If you're smart by process of elimination, you know we're still going to talk about Carmelo Anthony next week. Perhaps the most uh, intriguing piece of the Blazers offseason in many ways. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.